Ladies and gentlemen, the Football Scoop podcast is back, as is college football. It felt great last night. I enjoyed split screen, watching a couple of different things, YouTube TV. It got me excited, but then didn't give me the best games of the night on multi-view, whatever. We'll get better. Thursday night football was really good, unless you're a Florida Gator. Maybe a Husker. I don't know. Um, I want to hear some thoughts. I've got uh, college football experts. i got Zach Barnett, John Bryce, Doug Samuels. Great to see you, gentlemen. I want to hear some thoughts from last night. We want to talk about Friday a little bit. we got a full slate Saturday. Let's be brief today, guys. Give me thoughts from last night. Doug, anything come to mind? Uh, I mean, coming home from our game, I saw Billy Napier was, and, and the Gators were 0 for 11 on third and fourth down at one point. That's just uh, – that's unacceptable. We were talking a little bit before the call. Uh, one of the turning points of that game, uh, having two players uh, on punt return for the Gators out there with number three on like a fourth and two. Um, Utah had punted the ball away and then got a – Florida got an illegal procedure penalty and, and got a first down on it. I think JB said that's the point. They went out 14 to 14 to three. So uh, you can't have a huge support staff and make make mistakes like that. That, that doesn't make much sense. JB, yeah, thoughts from that game? Com- completely agree with Doug on this one. Um, they were terrible on third and fourth down. I think they finished the game with just one one conversion, one third down conversion. Utah wasn't much better, mind you. Utah, I think, was three for 14 on third down conversions. But, um, again, you don't expect those sorts of mistakes, and that one was catastrophic to have the two number threes on the punt return after Florida had forced that punt from, from Utah at midfield. Um, you don't expect those sort of – mistakes from a second year regime in my opinion um and and that's what's so bad and then we've all seen the the staff pictures at florida they're floating around even more prominently last night today it is one of the singularly largest staffs in all of college football presumably you have a staff that size to um, mitigate disaster like that so that wasn't the full turning point of the game perhaps but um utah went up 14 to 3 and it was not much of a game after that, um, Nebraska was the better team last night. Nebraska should have won that game. Um, I think I posted it. Uh, I know I said it. It was like watching another Seinfeld re- rerun because uh, Nebraska just found a way to lose again last night, and that's what we've seen out of Nebraska now for the last five or six years. So, yeah, I want to touch on uh, – to carry forward what, what, what JB said. Here's what happened after Nebraska went up 10-3. to in the fourth quarter last night, they uh, force three and out. They get the ball back at their own 38. Uh, they go three and out, take up, gain no yards, uh, burn 55 seconds off the clock, which I want to say that I believe it was the first down pass uh, was open, would have been a first down. Uh, Nebraska linebacker made a good play to, to deflect it. So points for them. All right. Then you force a punt and Nebraska gets the ball back up 10, three, seven, 17 to go at their own, uh, 32 yard line. They move the ball, and then Anthony Grant fumbles. And uh, supposedly the, the word out of him was that he was in the doghouse in camp because he uh, had fumble issues. And there he's getting the ball in the fourth quarter, fumbles. Uh, then uh, Minnesota gets the ball near midfield to third and seven. They gain six yards. It's fourth and one. We get a stop. We win the game. Face mask, face mask penalty on Nebraska. So uh, we move forward. Now we're in the we're at the we're in the red zone. We're at the Nebraska 13. Three straight incompletions. It's fourth and ten. Minnesota has to go for it. Joel Klatt you know, accurately says Nebraska's gonna be in zone. You can't get beat outside. What do they get? They get beat outside. Uh, the Minnesota receiver makes a fantastic catch to get a toe down. Touchdown, tie game. 
Uh, all right, we're still good. We got uh, 232. All we need is three points. Uh, Jeff Sims throws an interception, completely stares down his receiver. Uh, it was the Minnesota safety second pick of the night. And then, of course, um, Minnesota goes down and kicks the game when he field goal. It is snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, you know, uh, Rinse and repeat for Nebraska. They've done that. I think it's their 26th one-score loss. Their 17th time to uh, – their 17th come-from-ahead loss. Uh, in the second half since the Scott Frost era plus one Matt Rule game. So by no means is this a, uh, you know, a bad omen for Matt Rule. It's just more of the same for Nebraska fans. Minnesota's offense was not very good. That receiver, the catch the receiver made was unbelievable. Body control, that was phenomenal. I was, I was blown away. I was like bringing my kids out of their bed to come see it. It was that good. Uh, a couple thoughts on some other games. UCF, I watched most of the first quarter. The Gus bus wasn't fully intact. John Reese Plumley did a very nice job. Uh, Gus looked pretty. Team looked the, pretty. The thing, about, the thing about Gus's offense is it seems like the Gus bus either completely mows you over and drives straight through your house or it can't get out of first gear. And last night, I think they set a school record with like 8.8 yards per carry. Well, early on, a lot of that was John Reese. He had two long runs early on. Uh, I don't know. I didn't get to see much if, if the running backs got it going or not, but I presume they did. They did. Hard to not see if, you, if you average near nine yards of carry as a team. Yeah. Um, the running backs got it going. To, to Zach's point, it's true. Like the Gus bus is either uh, a Lamborghini or it's a 70s hippie. VW bus with stickers all over it. Like there's no, there's no in between. It is one or the other. Last night, the Gus bus was a Lamborghini. What last night, if we're going to, um, as, as all media have the propensity to do, if we're going to make some quick over reactions, knee jerk reactions, mine would be, um, UCF's poised to make noise in the big 12 this year. The, the roster is pretty. They'll lose a game. They should not lose, but there's some dudes on that roster for sure. Like they've got some guys that look like power five dudes already, even as this is their, their first year in, in the big 12. That's what, that's what I took from that. There's some athleticism there. And I, I noticed uh, Herb street, some, some of the others talking about it last night. There's some athleticism for UCF that you didn't necessarily see uh, on the first and second levels of Florida's defense last night, in my opinion. Hey, did, quick, quick disclaimer. I mean, we, we talked about, uh, John Rice Plumley. We talked about, uh, you know, the Gus bus. You can't average over eight yards of carry without your offensive line. So uh, tip the cap to, to Herb and to those guys uh, really getting things going. Amen. All right, other side of the coin, uh, Rhode Island gave Georgia State way more than Georgia State was hoping for. Doesn't doesn't bode well for Georgia State. Any any thoughts there? I mean, the Sun Belt is an extremely competitive conference. And so, I mean, it, it's game one. I'm not going to throw dirt on them. But you, if you're going to compete in that conference, you need to be uh, comfortably better than, than Rhode Island. So here's hoping for a big improvement to week two. Agreed. All right. Uh, UConn came out of the blocks pretty good against NC State. NC State kind of wrestled it back. Any thoughts on that one? Anybody get to see much of it? Yeah, I watched. I tried to watch quite a bit of that game. Um because I've got some degenerate friends who had asked me my thought on, on some lines last night, and I really felt like UConn had, had a chance to cover. I believe UConn did cover. Um, Mora continues to do a nice job there. It's a very uh, solid-looking team. UConn has come so far in a short amount of time 
under Mora. I think they're a very solid team. And I was underwhelmed by NC State. I was texting uh, with some coaches that have NC State on the schedule a little later this season in the ACC. Um, very, uh, a very sound NC State team, but not a very flashy or pretty-looking NC State team. Just, uh, again, like if, if you just watched some stuff last night from an athleticism standpoint, Utah had some dudes that looked that flashed and looked really nice. UCF had some dudes that flashed and looked really nice. I didn't see a lot of flash from NC State last night. I didn't see um, a, a lot. Brendan Armstrong had a nice return to the starting lineup and, and working with Robert and Nay. But um, yeah, that 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 NC State team. I think there's there's been a bit of a drop there, in my opinion, after one game. What what NC State seems like a team every year that is like oh, that. This is going to be a team that you know lives up to expectations and every year, like the first five, six, seven games of the year, it just, it, they don't live up to the hype. Uh, and they, they've got some really nice returning pieces and they just, I don't know, just don't live up to the, the expectation, I guess. Yeah. We'll see why that is. I agree with you. Arizona state did not run away from Southern Utah. They, they built up nicely at halftime and then it was just, that was just a football game thereafter. Any thoughts there? I mean, look, it, it took character for Arizona State to win that game based on how much we've addressed what they went through just this week. So you, Southern Utah had all the motivation in the world to go out there and, and try to get a, a Power 5 beaver pelt. And um, so I, I give Arizona State and Kelly, Kenny Dillingham credit just for being able to grind through that game because hopefully it'll get a little easier um, to just focus on football and play the games at hand moving forward. But but that's a program that had been through hell over the last six or seven days. And so I commend them just for finding ways to win. All right. Shifting to tonight, there are four games I want to get just a, a minute of perspective on. And I'm asking you guys for whatever you got. Doug, because it's in your great state, Central Michigan, Michigan State. What are we going to see? Anything interesting? Yeah, I, I think – I think it's a big game for Mel Tucker, as big as a, a week one opening game can be against a MAC opponent here in Michigan. Uh, but but I think they've got question marks all over the place. We, we've talked previously on the pod about how uh, Peyton Thorne leaves Michigan State, goes down to Auburn, not only wins the starting job, but also in his short time there on campus in the Plains, wins the uh, wins a captain job. Um, so they, they've got questions at quarterback. They got questions in the backfield. Their secondary hasn't been good in, in a number of years. And, and like we mentioned before, like they, they're still looking for offensive and defensive identity. I think from a, a brand perspective, like they've, they've done some, some nice things, bringing back the gruff Sparty is something I've been calling for for a decade. Uh, Tuck's done that, and I love it. Uh, but, but from a, an on-field brand perspective, I, I think they've, they've got to make a statement and say what kind of Michigan State team they're going to be this, this week or tonight. I think, yeah, I, I could not agree more with Doug. I think it's a, a game of great magnitude. You look at Central Michigan at Michigan State, and you think, okay, this is an in-state game to, to open the 23 season. But, no, it's it's a game of great magnitude for Mel Tucker and that program. There are a lot of people uh, still fresh in their minds that there's 95 million reasons that Mel Tucker needs to go out and make a big-time statement tonight. I'm also uh, super intrigued to see how Brent Key transitions into the – the full-time role at Georgia Tech and what the first game uh, of the Brahm era at Louisville holds. And then I think that uh, equally so, it's a hell of an important game for Miami of Florida as it hosts Miami of Ohio 
uh, after the way that last season just completely spun into disarray and disaster. So not the sexiest matchups tonight in, in some regards, but man, there's a lot of importance with Central Michigan, Michigan State, and Miami of Ohio at Miami of Florida. Zach, give me some thoughts on uh, on the U playing Miami. The immediate thought is the loser's got to change their name. You got to figure some figure I, figure something out. We that we've put up with this for too long. We're going to stick the two of them on a football field. Winner keeps the name. Loser, you got to figure something out. You have 365 days to have a new name. You're not taking the field as Miami, whatever, this time next year. We can't allow it anymore. Agreed, 100%. All right, Louisville at Georgia Tech. Uh, not at Bobby Dodd, right? It's at uh, Mercedes-Benz, I believe. Uh, any thoughts on that one, gentlemen? I mean, Louisville, they're a team that's like the general – attitude around the fan base is like yeah we could be an eight seven win team you know you're one of the braum era but uh, there was a story going around this i think they're initially favored in like every single game this year or at least like it's like them and georgia and alabama are the ones that were favored in every single game not necessarily because louisville's so great just because they're the acc generally is trash and so i'm uh i'm gonna be interested to see you know how competent Louisville is out the gate. Um, the Jeff Brom offense should be able to let them hit fast forward on their development. And against the Georgia Tech team that I'm rooting for Brent Key at Georgia Tech. I, you know, he's one of my favorite coaches. And, and I, I loved his initial press conference about how much it meant to him to be at Georgia Tech. So I'm rooting for him to succeed there. Surely to goodness, Louisville is not favored in, in every game this year. They go to NC State the last weekend of September and then they host. Notre Dame the first weekend of October. Um, so maybe they're favored in most, or, or there's some weird stat there because um, uh, they've also got a road trip later in the year to Miami as well and also uh, face Kentucky. So I would I, I get what Zach's saying. I do think that there's uh, optimism that the Louisville improvement uh, is going to be much sooner rather than later under Brom. Uh, that, that to me is what sticks out is it's the, the favored son turn, returning home how quickly does he stamp his arrival in a positive way? I don't want to keep us long on this pod, so I'm not going to touch much on Lance Leipold taking care of Missouri State, but I think Lance Leipold team is going to show out a little bit and take care of Missouri State, as they should, against an FCS opponent, a very good FCS opponent, but still an FCS opponent. But the game I do want to talk about is Stanford-Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii's got a game under their belt. They fought. They didn't quite get a dub. They fought well. Stanford we don't know what that team is. Uh, there's been, you know, disarray with the the, uh, the athletic department where it's going to reside. Uh, it's going to wind up in the ACC, but that's all been up in the air. They go to the islands. How's this one play out? I think it's I think it's a four quarter game, uh, which, which is what I've been saying about Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, for the reasons you outlined that. Hawaii has a game under its belt. We wrote about it. I, I showed the video on the site earlier this week. Timmy Chang had me fired up. Um, I loved that. I loved that intensity. I loved him saying, this is bleeping Hawaii football. Um, and, yeah, to your point, Scott, and it's one that I made on this pod maybe last week or week before, I can't remember, um, no two programs, in my opinion, have su- suffered as much at the time and suffered residually as much as Navy and Stanford coming into and out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Those are the two programs that I don't think have remotely retained the levels that they had pre-pandemic. We'll see how long that continues 
to be the case with Stanford, but there are a lot of unknowns there. And I do think that that program is still building back from the throes of just how far it sunk during the pandemic. And then also because um, both those two programs as well, Navy and Stanford, don't have the transfer portal access that so many other programs that they're playing do have. All right. Saturday games all day long. I love it. The late window or the, you know, the, the primetime window, you've got West Virginia, Penn state, you've got North Carolina, South Carolina, you got South Alabama, Tulane. Any quick thoughts on any of those games or any other game Saturday that has you excited? Oh, I'm looking to see North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, I I think North Carolina's favored, and I don't know why, because South Carolina has, I think, stronger top to bottom. Um, You know, everyone's in love with Drake May. I don't know what North Carolina has outside of Drake May. And so that's mainly what I'm going to be looking to see is, like, Drake May's a great draft prospect, yes, but what does North Carolina have outside of that? The last time we saw them, they lost four in a row to end last season. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really fired up for uh, that game. I'm really fired up for the Penn State-West Virginia contest. That game has been such a huge rivalry. And then much earlier in the day at 3.30, uh, Boise State is at Washington. I find a lot of intrigue in that game, especially with so much hype. Uh, surrounding Washington going into this season. I saw some Boise State folks saying this week they think that this Washington team is the best team that Boise State will have played anywhere at any time in the last decade. Um, Let's see if that's true. Yeah, I'm with Zach. The North Carolina-South Carolina game, you got the the change in offensive coordinator uh, at North Carolina, so we'll see how Drake May uh, reacts to that or responds to that. Uh, and, and I think South Carolina is another one of those teams that's been hyped up all offseason. The, the Beamer effect and uh, and Spencer Rattler playing his, his somehow playing his best football during camp uh, when he was a Heisman contender, seemingly a couple of years ago, uh, going into his first season in Oklahoma. Um, so I, I think that one has a, a lot of intrigue. And that, that was the toughest game to pick from our from our um, our pick and week for, for me was that that North Carolina, South Carolina game. I'm fired up. You know, there's going to be uh, amazing ham. It, it's just going to be college football Saturday, 50 games, madness, mayhem, not to mention FCSD 2D3. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. I'm fired up. Sunday, we got three games. Monday night, we got Clemson, Duke. Let's do this, gentlemen, shall we? Let's do it. Well, love it, Scott. You look like you've got a, a green Notre Dame shirt on today. It, it looks too lane green to me. But I'm colorblind, so what do I know? <laughs> Whatever uh, needs to be. If it was too lane, if it was too lane, he would have his Mardi Gras beads on. That <laughs> Congratulations went, that to South Alabama, to, Tulane, the Mardi Gras Bowl. That would sneak. Yeah. That's weird. Mobile, come on, man. Please don't <laughs> don't even try that. Congratulations to Doug. Uh, got their first dub of the season last night. And with that, we're out. Tell your friends. Football Scoop Podcast is back. Peace. <laughs>